0: How are you doing? Good, happy Mother's Day. I would like for you, if you are a mom, I want you to stay sitting. If you are not a mom, I would like for you to stand up. Not a mom. So if you're not a mom, you're standing up. Okay, I want us to give our, all our moms a standing ovation. So if you'll just give them a hand clap. Shout out to the moms, we honor you today. Thank you. You can have a seat. All right, so now you moms, you can go out and say, I got a standing ovation at church today. You. There you go. So I want to welcome all of our guests today. If you're a first-time guest, we're glad that you're here. Um, I want to welcome our Framingham campus. Can we give it up for our Framingham campus? <laughs> and all of our online viewers, we're glad that you've joined us as well. So I want to introduce myself. I am Stacey Fry. I am Pastor Derek's wife. So also, if this is your first time here or if you're a first time watching us online, you have to tune in again or come back again because my husband's the real speaker here. I just do this every now and then. Um, But I'm a little bit more animated than he is. (laughs) Just a tad. Because remember, we're in the middle of a crazy family series, and he did tell y'all that our family gets their crazy from me. proudly wear that badge. So, um, But we all know that moms just do so much. So we are going to honor our moms today. Hopefully you have some good plans afterwards. And, um, but we're going to honor our moms because they do so many things in the families, right? Right, moms? Okay. I want to show you a line of questioning that a mom could get within like five minutes. Let's look up at the screen. To mom, I'm hungry. I'm hot. I'm cold. Can I have? I want to watch. Where are you? Can you ask dad? Can you help me? He hurt me. She hurt me. I want to go. When are we? Why are we? Why can't we? How are we? That, like literally that could be within three minutes. Right, moms? Okay. And then kids know how much we do because that's our line of questioning. Let's look at the line of questioning to dad. Where's mom? <laughs> Is it not? And it's so true. We do so much. And by the end of the day, it's like, oh, my gosh, I just need sleep. But thankfully, his mercies are new every morning, like the Bible says. So we go to sleep, and we wake up like this with Mary Poppins and end the day feeling like Cruella DeVille, okay? Sometimes we might not even end the day. It might be by 9 o'clock in the morning we feel like Cruella DeVille, okay? But we know that moms shape us. We know that families shape us and we're in the middle of our my crazy family series and today i want to talk about some parenting tips and some things that we do in the middle of parenting. But before we get into that, I just want to pray for our moms. So if there was a a mom around you, if you'll just reach your hand out to her or put your hand on her knee or shoulder or whatever, we're going to pray blessings over our moms. And if you will join me in your just with your faith to pray pray blessings over our moms. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, so much for the moms today. All the moms that are watching, Father, I pray that you will bless them tremendously. For the moms that are um, weary, Lord, I pray that you would infuse them with inner strength in Jesus' name. For the moms that are discouraged, I pray that you would give them hope today and encouragement. For the moms that are just crushing it and killing it, we're just so thankful for them and we just say, more power to you, girl. Lord, just give them more strength. I thank you, Jesus, that you would just bless our moms today and let them feel encouraged and loved so much. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. 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 All right. So let's get going on our families. So we know that families shape us. And it's clear in the Bible that God sees families as really important because All throughout the Bible, they're laced with stories about families. And I don't know if you've read the Bible, but there are some crazy, like literally crazy family stories in the Bible. And I'm going to highlight one today. But it's also God talks about his children are the family of believers. So he literally talks about his children and the body of Christ as a family. So here here at Connect Church, you don't have to believe to belong here. We say it, we have it, you know, one of our... Um, it's on our wall downstairs. Faith, family, and friends—that's what we believe. And so you don't have to belong to believe, because I don't—or you don't have to believe to belong. I don't believe some of the things that my kids say or do, or even that my husband sometimes says or does. I don't believe everything. We don't agree on everything, but we <laughs> <laughs> peanut gallery. I'm gonna have a lot of peanut gallery today <laughs> with all my kids here, um, but. You know, we don't believe and agree on everything, but we're still family. We still love each other. And so you don't have to believe everything to be family here. We are family. So if you don't have a crazy family, we're it. (laughs) We're your crazy family, and you're the crazy one in the bunch as well. Um, But also, if you're here today and you don't have a family, you don't have kids, Mother's Day might be tough for you, I, I want you to just enjoy the moment today as being a part of the family, because what family does is we pray for each other. So if you don't have a family... If you don't have kids? Pray for those of us who do. Can you imagine if we're all praying for each other and praying for our Connect kids and all the teachers downstairs? How anointed our church will be! Amen. And if you're in a family and um, you know a single person, like adopt them. I'm going to start an Adopt a Family program. <laughs> pray for each other. Pray for the single ones. Pray for the families. So we're all praying for each other because that's what family does. So. It takes a village to raise kids, and that's what we want to partner with everybody to be able to pray together. So today, I want to talk, I want to highlight a little crazy story in the Bible, and it's in Genesis 38, okay? So it's not in our text right here, but I'm just going to give you the short abridged version. So this is, um, w- one of the things I think God put some crazy families and their stories in the Bible is to make us feel better about our own family. <laughs> I think he highlighted some, I mean, li- Literally. From the get-go, like from Adam and Eve, just one generation away from God's literal physical touch of Adam and Eve, you have Cain and Abel. Big competitive spirits, jealousy, and murder. I feel pretty good about my family. I'm just saying. We're good. So far, we're good. Um, so, but then you have like Isaac and Ishmael. Um, Pastor Derek talked about that a couple of weeks ago. C- crazy like half brothers and crazy competitive jealous spirits. Then you write down the line from, um, from Israel, you have Jacob, Jacob and Esau. There was competitive there. You have Rachel and Leah. And let me just tell you, if you haven't read Rachel and Leah's story, it's literally like housewives of Bethel, Israel. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. There's like concubines and maidservants and everybody's sleeping with everybody just to give them a kid. I was like, wow. If you are watching soap operas, don't raise your hand, but if you're watching soap operas, turn off the TV and read your Bible. <laughs> Literally like a soap opera. So then you have like Huppim and Muppim. Anybody heard of them? Okay. You think I'm making it up. Genesis 46:21. 21, Huppim and Muppim. I don't really know if they're crazy in their family, but they have some crazy names. It's two of Benjamin's sons. I really just wanted to put them in there because I'm sure Huppam and Muppam have never gotten message time in the history of the universe. So there. If anybody's going to get pregnant with twin boys, I just gave you your name. (laughs) Huppam and Muppam, Okay. Um, But legit, Genesis 46, 21. Look it up. I'm not lying. Okay. But literally, the Bible's like a soap opera. There's just so much crazy in there. So Genesis 38, this is after Joseph has been sold into slavery by his brothers. And then the next chapter is the one I'm going to talk about. And then the next chapter, he goes into Potiphar's house. So God takes a little break from Joseph's story and tells us the story about Judah. So Judah's one of Joseph's older brothers. And Judah marries this woman, has three sons. So he takes Tamar. Anybody heard of Tamar? Mm -hmm. Takes Tamar for his oldest son's wife. Well, the Bible says that God saw this husband as evil in his eyes, so he killed him. Don't be that guy. Okay. So... Then, as was custom back in the day, as crazy and disgusting, might I add, as it was, the second-in-line brother was supposed to marry Tamar and give her a descendant in in his brother's name. So this second brother goes and marries Tamar, but he doesn't want to give her a descendant, so he doesn't get her pregnant on purpose. Read the Bible for the details if you need that. Okay, so God sees that as evil in his eyes, so he kills him. So... As was custom, it's supposed to be the third son keeps on you just go down the line. <laughs> Crazy. I don't I'm glad that's not custom. Okay, so goes down the line. So but Judah's really kind of nervous cuz he's like two of my sons just died marrying you. So Tamar, why don't you go back to live with your family and when my son is old enough cuz he was a little bit younger, when my son is old enough, we'll call you. Give you a little jingle. Okay. <laughs> So time passes, Judah's wife dies, and Tamar knows that this youngest son is old enough to, like, give her a, a descendant. So there's a whole story in Tamar in and of herself because she was really fighting for what was rightfully hers and for her children. Just saying. Okay, so, but she goes about it kind of crazy way. So she hears that Judah's coming to through her town. So she thought, I'm going to get my descendant one way or another, missy. <laughs> So she pretends to be a prostitute. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> pretends to be a prostitute at the city gate. And short story, long story long story short, she gets her descendant from Judah. Okay, so I won't take you through how they got it and whatever, how they found out that it was his. But she got it. So I tell you that story because what is the reason for that crazy story on a Mother's Day like this? It's because I want to talk, take you through her lineage, Tamar's lineage. So it happened because she wasn't going to be able to get a descendant, but she got what she was fighting for and what was rightfully hers. And from her crazy lineage, seven generations after Tamar comes Rahab. You've heard of her? Okay. She was a real prostitute. Okay. This is awesome. Prostitution on Mother's Day. This is good. Okay. I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere. I promise. I promise, honey, he's going to fire me. (laughs) He won't fire me. No. Okay. So Comes Rahab, and then a couple generations later comes Ruth, who was a godly woman, and then comes Jesse, and then King David, and we know that from King David comes a really important person in our lives, and who would that be? Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ came from a crazy family lineage. So it doesn't matter, let's look at the big idea here today, it doesn't matter what your crazy lineage is, it matters if you choose a legacy. So you can have a crazy family lineage from back all here, but moving forward, the Bible says, forget what's behind you, press on to what's in front of you. And that's what you can do today is choose a great family legacy instead of the crazy family lineage. So I want to show you in the Bible, Exodus 20 verse 5 says this, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Okay, Again, I am going somewhere with this. This is kind of like morbid, like, hello, this is supposed to be uplifting. But this is two things. This is in the Old Testament, so we don't have to live under the curse of the Old Testament. However, if you don't have Jesus Christ, you are living under a curse. So we're going to get to that in a few minutes. But look at what it says. The sins of the fathers. I mean, how many of you have seen sins passed down from... Gener- we call it generational curses. You see the same things passed on from generation to generation. Okay, but it says... Of those who reject me. Okay, what does that mean? What does it look like to reject God? It means you reject his word, his ways. You reject him, his house. Don't reject his house. My goodness. If, when, when people, some people have said, you know, gosh, Stacy, how did you get your teenagers to go to church? And I said, well, they didn't have an option. Like, I didn't give them an option when they were seven or eight, when they had the opportunity to play travel basketball on a Sunday morning or big football. and They didn't have an option. Like, Devin didn't get to play travel basketball because we didn't have two services then or three. We had one. So I was like, I'm mm, sorry. We're going to church. It was not an option. So somebody said, so they never said, you know, we don't want to go to church. I said, not out loud. They didn't. Because <laughs> it wasn't an option. So don't reject God's house. You make sure that you're here all the time. Your kids are going to travel in that same path. They're going to say, okay. And all my kids are not here in this service, but they will be here, all of them. And they serve the local church. So don't reject his house. Don't reject him. Okay, so that's as strong as I'm going to be on the correction, maybe. Okay, let's look at verse 6. Right after verse 5, it says, but, everybody say but. I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. So even though it's Old Testament, we still get to walk in the blessing of the Old Testament and the prophecy of the Old Testament because we have Jesus Christ. So this is saying I lavish unfailing love for thousands of generations. We're still walking in that from thousands of generations before because he lavishes unfailing love. We think of what does unfailing love look like? I think of the 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Love covers a multitude of sin and offenses. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love never fails. That's what we get when we love him and obey, my, obey his commands. And it's so easy to think, you know, um, in, in this day and age, we want to have everything that for our kids because I want to be able to catapult my kids into having... Um, a better life than I did, to be stronger in the Lord and the things of God than I was, or even now, I expect them to be great. And it's easy to look at society and go, I don't really want my kids raising kids in today, this day and age, you know? And I started thinking that when my kids were having their kids. I have two grandsons. One is outside the womb and one is inside the womb still. And, um, you know, when I started thinking about Devin and Nat and Mallory and Wilkes, raising their children I was getting a little like oh I'm gonna have to really pray and the Lord corrected me and said no that's not how it works in my kingdom I was like okay well teach me your ways O oh Lord you know let me know because I, I, I started thinking on these things And then I heard Pastor Jensen Franklin say this and I call it the DNA of giants okay so if Goliath and Mrs. Goliath gave birth to a child they're not going to give birth to a dwarf right they're going to give birth to a giant that has double the DNA. So if Derek and I are strong leader, strong faith, you know, man of faith and woman of faith, and we give birth to children, they're going to have double the DNA. They're not just going to be these weaklings. They're going to have double the DNA. So God always equips whatever generation is fighting the battle in this society. So Lord knows that, our, that the devil is trying to Um, infiltrate his beliefs in society is he not okay but not on our watch so can you imagine if if all the children in connect church and all connect kids they have that mentality of like i'm a giant bring it on i'm a giant but here what we do is we don't send our toddlers out to the battlefield right So we got to prepare them. So that's what we're going to talk about today is preparing your kids. And I want to tell you that I am not up here because my kids are perfect. Amen. I'll be the first to tell you that. And I'm not up here because I think I'm perfect. Amen. Amen. Oh, are my kids not in there? Okay, I thought Devin was at least here. Okay, thanks. That's good. Um, But the peanut gallery will definitely be piping up in the third service when they're here. But... Um, but I don't, I I didn't do everything perfectly. Absolutely not. I made plenty of mistakes and that's what, today I'm only telling you the things that I did great, (laughs) but there are plenty of things that I didn't do right. And, but I was very intentional. I was very purposeful. I was very passionate and I was very persistent. So I'm going to give you three P's of parenting today. But right now I want to tell you (coughs) that what I get to walk in right now is, uh, let me show you in the verse that I love this verse. Third John 1.4 says, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. My children are following the truth. From 19 to 26, they're following the truth. They're living, serving their local church. They love God with all their hearts. And they are worshiping him every Sunday right here with us. Okay, so I did something right, right? <laughs> I, I, I pat myself on the back every now and then just when they're all right there because it's overwhelming. i like... Oh, thank you, Jesus. I really don't pat myself on the back. I literally cry and go, thank you, God, that you just helped me somehow raise these amazing kids. Um, But now that my kids are having kids, this is what I pray over them. Isaiah 59, 21 says, and this is my covenant, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them, and neither will these words I have given you. They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. I have claimed that for my kids for years. So my children's children have no choice, have no choice but to have God's words on their lips. The last verse that's truly shaped how I raise kids is Psalm 127, 33 and 4. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. Okay, what is an arrow meant to do? Pierce and to be shot out. Okay, a war, a, a, an arrow in a warrior's hand does nothing. It's not doing its purpose. But an arrow is meant to be shot out and to hit the mark. So I have to have my kids trained and prepared in order to be shot out. Because again, we don't send toddlers on the battleground, right? So I want to talk about three Ps today. Three Ps of parenting. And the first one is purposeful. Okay, purposeful. Deuteronomy 6 verses 6 through 9. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead. As reminders. my kids would love that. Let's just put a little sticky note, you know. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Sounds pretty intentional, right? Sounds pretty purposeful. Every moment that you can, train your kids. Be purposeful. And I would say that the, the parents in this day and age... Young parents, maybe not so young parents, maybe have the same temptation that Eve had in the Garden of Eden. I mean, the Bible doesn't say that the forbidden fruit was an apple. It could have been a Samsung, Sony. Put down the forbidden fruit. Be engaged with your kids. That was a bonus. Be engaged with your kids. Because let me tell you, there is so much to train in your kids You need to be purposeful. You need to be preparing them for life. And I prepared my kids way ahead of time. And some people are like, oh, just let them be kids. I'm like, yeah, I will let them be kids, and I want to go to the park and everything. But as a mom, a working mom with four kids, if I waited till Saturday to do all the chores by myself, we ain't going to the park. Right? So I want to let them be kids. I want to have fun. So you all are going to help me clean the house and do all the things that we need to do, and then we're going to go have fun. Then you can go be kids. Because we're a family, that's what we do. Somebody got to take out the trash, you know what I'm saying? Okay, but if you, there's so many things to prepare them. There's life skills, you got to prepare them spiritually and physically, mentally, emotionally, all those things. And if you wait until you are looking at, you know, them going off to college, like 16, that's when most moms are like, oh my gosh, in two years you're going to be gone. Okay, if you wait till then, just don't even bother. Send them out and go, good luck, you know, because there's so much to teach them. So I, thankfully, the Lord gave me some wisdom. When Devin was seven years old, I started training him to make his bed. Now, granted, it was just a comforter, no sheet or anything. So by 11, he got it. (laughs) Not lying. Okay. So I thought, dear Jesus, if everything takes this long, I better get on it with all the other ones. So by the time he's 11, I had nine and a half, six, and four. So Morgan, my youngest, is four years old, so I was like... Whatever, everybody else is in here folding their clothes. Morgan, come on. Everybody else is learning how to push the buttons on a laundry machine, you know. If they can learn to work a cell phone at 18 months, they can work a laundry machine when they're old enough to push the buttons. Please, ladies, prepare your kids. Okay, so four years old, I was like, come on, Morgan. We're all folding the clothes. Now, granted, her clothes did not look like Devin's because his was actually really good. He was a good folder of clothes. Um, But... She was being trained. So by five years old, she was doing her own laundry. She was folding her laundry, putting it away. Granted, her drawers weren't that neat. Um, And she was making her own lunches. So since five years old, she's been making her own lunches and doing all that stuff. So let me just tell you this. I know you're probably thinking, she's a slave driver. (laughs) I am. (laughs) Proud of it. Because here's, like I said, I am walking on this side of like, they're thankful for their training. So, within a month and a half of Morgan being out at Oklahoma, out in college by herself, she calls me and she goes, Mom, thank you so much for preparing me for life. I am having to parent some of these kids. They don't know how to do their laundry. They don't know how to take care of themselves. They don't know how to eat healthy. They don't know how to have time management. Oh my gosh, this is so sad. Thank you so much. She felt successful. Because I trained her and prepared her for life. And it's not just the life skills that we trained them for. We did all those things about preparing them for spiritual battle and emotional battle. Like when we were driving out, this is just not in my notes, but this is when we were driving out to Oklahoma for 26 hours, I was like, I've got a captive audience. I'm going to teach her some things. So I started talking to her about the different spiritual things and how to, you know, minister to herself and pray for herself when she starts feeling anxious or stressed out, and all those things. Because... That's my job is to prepare them. I don't just take it by chance that, you know, life is going to teach them. I'm going to teach them. Okay. So, um, plus also successful people don't have things handed to them. Like you've never seen a CEO, you know, strong leader with his mommy or her mommy still making her lunch. Right? Like... You make your kids do some stuff. Work, Make them work for it. And this is what I call imprinting, okay? Imprinting is phase-sensitive learning that is rapid. So it basically means whatever the first impression is makes the greatest impact. So if you wait till they're 14, 16 years old to start having them do their own laundry, they're old enough to talk back, okay? Imprinting... They start at a young age, they don't know better. They don't know it's an option. Like, my kids didn't know it was an option to not go to church or to not do their laundry or to not make their lunch. You know, they had no choice in the matter. I imprinted on them what I wanted them to do at an early age. It's the same thing with spiritual matters. The devil wants to infiltrate our society with the things that he wants us to hear. He wants our kids to hear at an early age. He wants them to hear it at public school, on the TV, on the playground. He wants them to just think, oh, this is just normal. But you know what? Whatever hits first makes the greatest impact. That's why we have to be so purposeful to be the first voice in their life. Okay? And I tell parents all the time, when, like when, when people leave our um, private school, Metro West Christian Academy, they, like at fifth grade, we stop at fifth grade, when they go into public school, I always have this this conversation to tell parents, listen, if you haven't talked about sex with your kid at fifth grade, do it now, because they're going to hear it. I don't care what school they go to. They're going to hear it. They probably already heard it, but you need to be the first voice in your family's life, in your children's lives. You need to imprint on them, and there were things that I was not going to let my kids be imprinted on by society. So that's why we sent them to private school education, Christian school education. And here's the thing. I, I am going to be, I told my kids, I'm not a very controlling, I'm not controlling at all really, um, with, and you can ask them, um, but three things I was controlling on, and I will be, always. And the three things are, we will always have unity in our family. That doesn't mean we will agree on everything. It means we will have unity. There's a difference. We will always have unity. We will always speak life. Oh, ask them that one. See if they like that one all the time. Just even this morning back in the office. We will always speak life. And then thirdly, my grandkids will go to Metro West Christian Academy. (laughs) Because I am not letting society imprint on my grandkids. My voice, our biblical beliefs would be the first thing that they hear. Okay? She's plugging Metro West Christian Academy a lot. I am because I believe in it. And I'm walking on this side of it again, seeing the benefit and the foundation that my kids had. Oh, I could go on. Okay. Actually, I will go on. (laughs) All right. But we don't want to be like that frog, you know, the proverbial frog in a pot of water, because that's what the devil wants us to do, slowly and methodically downgrade all the things that our biblical values are. And he wants to do that by just slowly putting it in here and there. So be purposeful with your kids. So we've prayed purposeful prayers over our kids. So there's some, a bottom, at the bottom of our um, outline, there's a place for notes. You can write down these. Um, we prayed that they would have wisdom beyond their years and character to keep them. I felt like that was a pretty good overarching that would cover everything. If they didn't know what to do, they'd have wisdom beyond their years. And if they still abandoned their wisdom, their character better keep them. Secondly, we prayed for their spouses since birth. Like from the time they were conceived, we pray for their spouses because the first most important decision they'll ever make is having Jesus Christ at the center of their life. The second most important decision is who they will marry because their spouse can make you or break you. Thirdly, we pray that their sin would find them out. Okay? My kids love this one. This was not so that they would get busted. Like that wasn't the heart behind it. It was so that they could be adjusted. Okay? Let me explain. Um, 1 Timothy 4, I think it's 5... Oh, okay, maybe that's not in there. Just kidding, hold on. Don't look at the... Don't cheat. Number two, no. Okay, First Timothy... Oh, it's not in there, sorry. 1 Timothy 5.24 says, The sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. You don't want your kids' sins trailing behind them because then they get used to doing it the wrong way. It's like as a teacher, you don't want your kids continuing to misspell words, continuing to misspell the word beautiful, I was a teacher many years. Lord, have mercy. Um, you don't want your kids to continue to do, work a math problem the wrong way because they get used to doing it the wrong way. So you don't want them to continue in their sin so that they get used to it. You want their sins to find them out. So it's not, again, a heart of judgment. It is for their best interest. Okay? So um, sometimes when they get older, when the sins find them out, it's difficult to watch your kids go through struggles and trials. Can I get an amen, moms? Amen and dads okay but Psalm 119 71 says this my suffering was good for me for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees sometimes when God's doing something in our lives or our kids lives we got to see it as that is that God's doing something it's like he's putting the pressure on all sides there's been times where um, my kids were going through something and I would say you're in the wine press it's okay You're going to come out shining like a diamond, you know, because a diamond, when it's being formed in the earth's crust, it is being formed by high pressure and high temperatures, and it's bringing something beautiful out of it, okay? And long after the pressure is gone on your kids, what God was trying to do in their lives is what stands for the longest time, and it's way better than having, you know, them not, some people say, oh, I just want my kids to be happy. Well, I don't. I mean, happy is circumstantial. I want my kids to walk in the calling of God, and sometimes that's a very uncomfortable place. Okay? And success doesn't come out of the comfort zones. He doesn't care about our comfort as much as he cares about our character. So I want my kids to have good character. And if they're happy along the way, excellent. That's just a bonus. Okay, so we need to see God's correction in our kids' lives as the fact that he loves them. Just like we, we love our kids, we don't want them to stick their finger in a socket and we're going to spank their little hand when they do. It's out of love for them that we don't want them to get hurt. Same with God, he, he, loves, he loves us and so he corrects us. So um, so basically, we, we need to be purposeful in preparing and equipping our kids. Okay, let's move on to number two, which you all already know because I cheated passionate. Everybody say passionate. Okay, Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. My, this has been ingrained in me since I was like four years old. My parents would say, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You know, make your bed with all your might. Oh my goodness. Everything was with all of our might. We had to do everything with all your might. So basically, passion is this, a powerful or compelling emotion caused by a strong belief. It was my strong belief that my kids were going to be champions for Christ. My strong belief, my passion, was what drove me, and it, it, like I said before, my children didn't have a choice in the matter. I was going, my passion was going to see through to completion, and my passion helped me make the tough calls. It helped me to get through those times to have thick skin when my kids would, you know, roll their eyes or be like, "Ugh, so ridiculous, mom!" Like, yeah, I don't care. Let's go, you know. my passion sustained me when I felt like giving up. It's, it, it helped me have the drive to be able to have tough conversations. And let me just tell you this. You can have tough, awkward, proactive conversations, or you can have really horrible conversations after the fact. Let me give you an example. Uh, not too long ago, I, was, I felt the Lord kind of putting on my heart that I needed to have a conversation with one of my daughters, a, a tough conversation. And I was just kind of Okay, Lord, I got it. You know, I'll, mental note, I'll take care of that. Kept stirring. Okay, yep, I got it. I get it. I just really didn't want to because I just could see the facial expressions like, oh my gosh, mom, that's so ridiculous. You are so, seriously, you don't think I know this? Or, you know, just all those kinds of things. And um, I, I literally was just like, I don't want to do it. And it was so strong. Finally, I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I go and I have this conversation with my daughter. And come to find out, it was very necessary. And it was critical at that very moment. And if I had just sloughed it off, I don't know what would have happened. It could have been a horrible, it could have been catastrophic. I don't know. Um, I mean, it, taken out to the furthest extreme, it could have been very catastrophic. And I want you to understand that when the Lord puts those promptings in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit. You need to start acting on them. Amen. Act on it because God is trying, if, if, if God is prompting me, to have a conversation with my kids. That means he's already prompted them to try to get their attention, and they haven't listened, so now he's moving to mom because he knows mom's going to do something about it. Okay? So you can have tough conversations. Um, uh, you can have awkward conversations, or you can have horrible conversations. So I chose the preemptive strike conversations. You know, I, I was going to choose to proactively equip my daughter in the midst of a rough situation. Um, and this... What, just recently, Morgan said, um, you know, Mom, my, she has a couple of friends out there in Oklahoma that um, they're both, two of them are pastor's kids as well, and she said, yeah, we kind of feel like the Holy Spirit's our third parent, because somehow they're always telling our parents what we're doing. <laughs> like, that's right. That's, and again, thank the Lord, my children are walking in truth. They know that if I don't catch them at something, the Holy Spirit's going to catch them at something, and that's even worse. Okay, so... Um, this leads me to my third point, is basically, you, you know, success doesn't come out of the comfort zones, it comes out of the consistent daily grind. So it leads me to my third point of being persistent, okay? And this is Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So I just, that was one thing, I was just never going to give up. I mean, I, I did get some grit from my father, and um I was just like, I, I'm not giving up. And there were times where I, I thought about it for a second, and I was like, I just, I, just, I quit. And then I was like, no, I'm not. I get myself back up, and I'm going to go with it. Because persistence is the grit to put everything you've got into seeing something through to completion, no matter if or when there's opposition or obstacles okay? Because you're going to have it. You're going to have obstacles all along the way. You're going to have opposition. Sometimes it's from your kids. Sometimes it's from your spouse. Sometimes it's from family members. Sometimes it's from their friends, you know, the kids' friends. It doesn't matter who it's from. You're going to have opposition. You've got to have the persistence to be able to stand firm in what God has told you to do How you, how you, for how you to raise your family. Luke 18, 1 through 5 tells the story of the persistent widow. And It's it's basically this widow keeps coming to this judge and she's just persistent and this judge it says he basically he doesn't care about God or man but he was like I'm gonna give this woman her judgment because she's so annoying you know I I probably did that to God I mean granted he doesn't get annoyed at least he tells us he doesn't get annoyed by our persistent prayers but I tested him I was gonna because I was like Lord do you understand this is not my child you've given he's on loan she's on loan. And what I'm doing is not working, so you need to tell me what I need to do with this child. Because at times I just I wanted to give up because what I saw or what I was doing, I didn't see was working. But if you're consistent and persistent, God will give you the wisdom to what what to do. And sometimes you just have to um, be persistent through the awkward phases. You have to be persistent through the tough times. You have to be persistent through the pain sometimes. I mean, there were times where I could, uh, and I did, get my feelings hurt. But I was like, you know what? It doesn't doesn't matter. It's not about me. It's about my kids. And if I just say, you hurt my feelings, and I'm going to go pout in the corner and then let the devil wreak havoc on their lives... That's on me, and that was not going to happen in my family. And, you know, God, God was persistent with me. He loved me so much when I was unlovable or when I was in sin. He persisted in forgiving me. He persisted in chasing after me. So it gives me the grace to be able to do that with my kids. And that's what I want them. My kids know, they know no matter what you've done, I will always love you no matter what. I might ream your rear end out, but I will always love you, okay? And I want to I close with this, um, a story about a woman that lived almost about 400 years, 300 years ago. She had 19 children in 19 years, and that alone puts her in the Mother's Day Hall of Fame, you know, <laughs> or crazy, maybe, yeah. Um, and she went on to have two sons that changed literally the world. You've probably heard of them, Charles and Su- Charles and John Wesley. And their mother was Susanna Wesley. And I was reading some of the things that she had done and she was all three of these things. She was purposeful, she was passionate, she was persistent. But it's easy for us on this side of history to go, well, of course she was purposeful. She knew who she was. She had John and Charles Wesley, and she just, you know, saw it in them that they were going to change the world, you know, when they're throwing things at their other 17 siblings, you know. (laughs) It's easy for us to say she was passionate. Of course, she was Susanna Wesley. She was persistent because look at her kids. They were probably just really good kids. But you know what? She didn't know who she was raising. I still don't know the extent of who I'm raising. You don't know the extent of who you're raising. You could be raising the next Charles Wesley. You could be raising the next Susanna Wesley. It doesn't matter what you know or what you see in front of you. Speak life over your kids. Prophesy over them what you want to see, what God wants to see. And at the bottom of your notes, we have some of the, um, I put some of the verses that, that we prayed over our children. And you'll see that a lot of them are from Isaiah. And that's purposeful because Isaiah was a prophet. Basically, a prophecy is when you speak words that will come to pass in a later time. You don't see it necessarily. Um, but that, that's what I did. I wanted to speak life over my kids. I wanted my parenting to be contagious. Like when we're on you know, the soccer field or when we're whatever. Like so many times we're like, we see parents that don't speak life over their kids. And if we as a church can speak life over our kids, you know, I, I cheat a little bit. I tell my kids, you're world changers, you know, because I'm going to imprint on them because they're walking around like, hey, I'm a world changer. I don't throw rocks at kids. I'm a world changer, you know. I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm a world changer. I want my kids to know they're world changers, and your kids are too. You just have to claim it over them. So I want to close today with... with um telling you a little bit about my goal in heaven, I know that when I get to heaven, and I know that some of these things have happened on earth, but it's going to be even more so when I get to heaven, is that when I get to heaven, I am expecting people to come up to me and go, oh, you're Stacy Fry? Thank you so much. I gave my life to Christ at one of your son's messages when he was preaching. You're Stacy Fry? Oh my gosh. When your daughter was leading worship, I just felt the presence of the Lord so much that I fell on my knees and I just cried out to God. I, I just know, oh, Stacey Fry, you're Stacey Fry, you're Mallory's mom, oh my gosh. I gave my life to Christ because she invited me to church. And look, look at all these people that I got saved because Mallory invited me to church. That's what's gonna happen. That's what has happened already. Those are just things that have literally happened. But I know that there's more to it because I don't know the extent of the children that I'm raising. You don't know the extent of the children that you're raising. Be purposeful. Be persistent and passionate about who you're raising, and God is going to bless that. I want you to stand with me this morning. You'll see at the bottom of your outline that there's one sentence that I want you to be able to just say. I want you to write it down. I encourage you to write these scriptures down on index cards. Put them in your bathroom. Put them in your car. Speak them over your kids. Have your children speak them or whatever. But look at, the ver- look at the sentence, the declaration down at the bottom. It says, I declare God's unmerited, unlimited, unexplainable grace, favor, and miracles over my family. If we are claiming that as a whole church body, can you imagine the anointing? Can you imagine what we can do in the Metro West area, in Framingham, and Ashland, and Marlborough, and Milford? All these places because our families are anointed by God. And our children are world changers. Can I get an amen?